I want to begin this morning with a question. Who is Jesus? If you had to fill in the blank of that question, Jesus is the, with like one or two or three words, what would you put in there? Jesus is the... Turn to someone next to you. Tell them what you're thinking about right now. Tell them what you, what you thought of. Some of you on the sides are like, with anyone around you is like, some, anyone? No. <laughs> Welcome to St. Rosalima. We're, we're all like this. The next few Sundays of Lent, I want to talk about how each of these Gospels shows us something about who Jesus is. You might have said something like, Jesus is the Savior, or Jesus is uh, the Messiah, or Jesus is, is the Lord. It's all, all true. The gospel this weekend really tells us that Jesus is the new Adam. The new Adam. We see that after his baptism, Jesus is brought into the desert by the Holy Spirit, and he's there... Mark says, among the wild beasts and the angels. He's among the, the subhuman creation of the wild beasts, and he's with the angels, the, the transcendent spirits above, right? He's like in between as he fights this battle with the tempter. Well, this is a kind of an icon of how God made humanity in the beginning in the Garden of Eden, that human beings are this interesting combination of spirit and matter, we're higher than the beast. We're not just flesh. We have bodies. But we, 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 won't, we don't just stay there. And we're not angels. We're below the angels, but we have this capacity to know truth and to have a relationship with God. Human beings are, the, are this nexus between the spiritual and the material worlds in ourselves. We're not just flesh. We're not just spirit. We're a, a composite of both. We're, we're hybrid in a certain sense. And that's how God constituted us in the beginning, in the garden. So Jesus is there among the wild beasts, angels ministering to him, and he is himself the dwelling place of God. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were put in the garden, and in a certain sense, it was like the very first temple there ever was. They were made in God's image and likeness. They're there in this beautiful place of peace and perfection, and they themselves had a mission to guard and keep and till that garden, to walk with God. It's, Genesis says God walked with them in the cool of the day. They were meant to extend the divine presence into the entire cosmos by their relationship with one another and by their faithfulness to God. They were meant to extend God's reign over all the material creation, even among the wild beasts. They were meant to, to make earth like heaven because they were joined together in this harmonious, beautiful existence. Adam was kind of like the first priest king who with his bride and partner and wife brought God's reign into the world. But Adam failed. He was tempted by the evil one. And with Eve, he turned against God, and his mission 
was lost. The breath of God, his spirit, left Adam and Eve, and they became just unto dust. Which is why on Ash Wednesday you may have heard, remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Right? God made Adam from the clay of the earth, but not only the clay, he breathed his breath into him. But when Adam failed, he lost that divine life, and we've suffered with that until the Redeemer came. So here's Jesus stepping right into that moment among the wild beasts with angels around him, tempted by the enemy, tempted to give up his vocation to extend the kingdom of God to the entire cosmos. But Jesus does not fail. He's victorious over the tempter. He does not listen to his lies and his wiles. He's the new Adam. He comes back to Galilee, and it says he was proclaiming the gospel of God. It's a very unique phrase, right? The gospel of God. You know, when the Roman Empire would conquer a new land, they would send out messengers to announce a gospel. It's the same exact word, a gospel, which basically was a message with power that was saying, hey, listen, there's a new authority in town. Things are changing. You better get ready for it. Life's going to be different. There's a new authority that's been established. Jesus, the new Adam, comes back into human, humanity and society and says that now the new authority is not Caesar or Pontius Pilate or some king. The, the gospel is that God himself is going to reign now. He's giving authority back to his people so get ready. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's so close you can touch it. Repent and believe in this gospel. So Jesus is the new Adam, and he begins to restore God's kingdom. But here's the thing, is that this is meant to speak to us in our situation. When Adam sinned, he lost his authority to rule over the dominion of the world. It was human beings who were meant to have proper dominion over this earthly existence. And it's kind of like, you know, when you turn 16 and you got your license, your permit, your, your parents gave you the keys of the car, like, they're like, okay, here's the key, son, here's the keys, daughter. And like, remember, like, be safe, don't do anything stupid, take care of your friends, uh, don't wreck this car. Like, you're, you're being entrusted with this responsibility. And you can go a lot of places with this car. You can do a lot of amazing things. You can extend your, you can kind of say, extend your dominion to all over Roseville or Ramsey County, whatever it is. But then you do something stupid. You wreck the car, you fender bender, you do something you shouldn't at night. And your parents are like, give me the keys. Right? It's never happened to you. It's like you, you've surrendered your authority. You, you didn't stand fast in, in your responsibility and your mission, and so you, you lose the keys. You lose the power. That's what happened to us in the garden. But Christ, the new Adam, by his humanity, stands up to the tempter, stands up to the evil one, and for us, gives us the keys back. By your baptism in Jesus and your faith, you aren't in the old Adam anymore. You're in the new Adam. You now have authority. You have the keys you have dominion, and you're stronger than the evil one. 
He has no power over you. Now, certainly, we all have to still contend with temptation. Certainly, there's still the, the remnants of sin and temptation, and the enemy will try, try and throw us off track until the day we die. But the truth is that you are not subject to him. You're in the new Adam. The new Adam, Christ, lives in you, and you live in him. You can stand up, and you are stronger than the evil one. You're stronger than his temptations. You're stronger than sin. You're stronger than your human weaknesses in Christ. You're holding the keys. And I honestly think a lot of us Christians don't realize we're holding the keys. We don't realize we have this power, this authority in Jesus. But man, that can change your entire life if you realize that and believe in that. So what, what does this mean for us for Lent as we're heading into the season of renewal and purification and growing in holiness? I think one thing it means is that if we are going to live our lives in Christ, the new Adam, it means that we're called right now to restart the kingdom that was paused when Adam and Eve fell. The kingdom of God has, has been restarted. The gospel of God has power. Jesus is alive. And how we extend that reign of God has to begin right inside of me. Right, the power, the dominion over the enemy and his, and his temptations has to begin right here, personally, with myself, before I try and extend it to, to anybody else. St. Dominic, who, who St. Rose of Lima loved, he said, a man who governs his passions is master of the world. We must either rule them or be ruled by them. There's only one choice there. A man who governs his passions is master of the world. We must either rule them or be ruled by them. So this Lent, that means that we enter into this time of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving not as a way to like work off the guilt of our sins. Like only God forgives our sins. And it's not as a kind of just like self-improvement project. Like, I think I'm going to fast a little bit, maybe, maybe slim down a little bit in the mirror. It's going to be great come Easter, you know. It's not, it's not the main reason why we're, we're doing that. And it's not to like get God to like pay attention to us. Like, if I do enough stuff, maybe you'll like, you'll like me more. You'll pay attention to me and like help me. That, that's not it. That's a, that's a pagan understanding of God. We pray and we fast and we, al- and we give alms so that we can more readily take those keys and use the authority to extend God's kingdom in ourselves and in the world. Because in ourselves, don't we still realize that there's something within us which says, like, my, my time that I have is, is just for me. I'll do whatever I want with my time. And that's what the world says. The world says there's never enough time. You have to seize it and use it and do it, use it for yourself But that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the fullness of time. He's Lord of all time. And because of that, I can pray this Lent. I spend time with God in communion with the Father, like Jesus was in the desert, and I can pray, spend time with God, and allow Him to be master of my heart, to have His authority in me. That's why we pray and isn't there something inside of us, too, that, that says, 
Like, my, my life is, is just for me alone. And, and the world says that. The world says, like, there's never enough life, never enough pleasure, never enough things that'll, that'll feed you. So, like, just get it all for yourself. But the kingdom of God is the fullness of life. There's nothing lacking to it. And you're already living as a son or daughter of the kingdom. And that's why we can fast. We can fast and say, you know what? These sinful pleasures, I don't need them. I'm satisfied by the Lord. And even the things that we do need and, and, and are good for us, we can fast from them to allow more space for God to be free for how he wants to extend his kingdom in me. So we pray and we fast and we give alms because isn't there something inside of us that says, like my, my money or let's just say my power because money is kind of like used for power. My, my power, my dominion, it's, it's all for me. It's mine only. And the world says, yes, you, you have to get more power. You have to climb the ladder. You have, to, you have to be on top of other people to be somebody. But in the kingdom of God, there is the fullness of power that you're given because you literally reign with God as Jesus' follower. You don't, need to, you don't need to fight for power, fight to be somebody. Like, you've been established in God's power. You've been given authority. And it means that we can give alms this Lent. I can be generous with the poor. I can be generous with others. I can sacrifice things of myself. Because I don't need to find power. I can serve. I can till and keep the garden of my soul and this life God's given me. And I can extend his reign as my original mission was in this, in this existence. I can do that. Because I have authority in Christ. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to give in to what the world tempts me to do. Either you are master of your passions or your passions master you. There's no middle ground. And with Christ, you can grow in all of this in Lent. Pray, fast, give alms. Take a stand against the enemy because you are more powerful than him. He is actually afraid of you and your kingly authority. It's our divine mission from the beginning to extend God's reign of holiness and peace and love to the entire cosmos. And this Lent is a time to recapture that and to live that again and to believe that this actually is my life. Our strength for this is the Eucharist. Our strength for this is the bread of life. Today, receive him with faith. Receive him with love. Receive him and receive his authority that he won for you when he fought for you and for me in the desert. When the new Adam was victorious for us.